covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. Another week's worth of Brewers conversation to have with you. A big week that they just wrapped up and another big week coming up. And we record this on Sunday night, which is a good time to record it because the Brewers are coming off two of their biggest wins of the season when they were able to take the final two games against uh, the Cubs in that uh, best of three series there at Wrigley Field. As always, let's go ahead and get some of the uh, housekeeping items out of the way to uh, start the podcast. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review and also uh, subscribe to the podcast, that would be helpful. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, what a difference a couple days can make for a baseball team. The Brewers on Friday, when they opened up the series against the Cubs, played a mostly non-competitive game where they got into an early hole and it just did not go well, and they end up losing that game, and you felt like, okay, is this is this the weekend? Is this the moment where you kind of put a fork in them? They lost that game 7-1. Then they come back with a 2-0 win on Saturday, and they get another win, 4-0, on Sunday. This is following a series against the Cardinals earlier in the week where they lost two of three, so it's been very up and down. But as I talked to you on Sunday, they're three games out of a playoff spot in the uh, National League for that second wild card as they're continuing to try to chase down the Cubs, also trying to hold off the Philadelphia Phillies, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the New York Mets, who are all right there, kind of in the same area, all trying to chase down the Cubs for that second wild card. It feels like an opportunity to go win the division at this point would be semi-miraculous, or maybe not even semi-miraculous, maybe just flat-out miraculous with what St. Louis has been able to do here recently. But they still have a legit opportunity to possibly get one of those wild cards, specifically that second wild card seems to be the one that they would have the most opportunity to be able to uh, go get if they can get the Cubs. And again, three games back of the Cubs, a week where they're going to have two against the Astros and then four more against the Cubs. And if they can find a way to win three out of four, this thing is really, really close going into the final three weeks of the regular season. The Brewers seem to play well in September under Craig Council. They have the expanded rosters. They like being able to very aggressively use the bullpen to try to get matchups that they feel uh, really benefit them, like to limit the length that starting pitchers go into games so you do not get that third time through. Sometimes even midway through that second time through, they may feel like uh, enough is enough and they go to the bullpen. For whatever reason, the Brewers are very good at playing baseball with the different rules. They're very good at uh, being able to take advantage of the game just being different and using that to their benefit. No guarantee that they're going to be able to repeat their September success this September. But I think there's some hope there especially after taking two out of three against Chicago. And then you look at some of the teams they are going to be playing in the month of September. They've got the Marlins. They've got the Padres. They've got the Pirates. They've got the Reds. They've got the Rockies. Series against all those teams. Four-game series against both the Marlins and the Padres. 
a bunch of teams that they do have an opportunity to have some success against. So they'll, they'll go into it. I feel like the door is open for them to do something. Now, I mentioned this when I was doing the Brewers Extra Innings postgame show on WTMJ on Sunday. I've been pretty adamant throughout the year when, when the Brewers have had rough moments, rough series, rough games. You know, one game doesn't make a season. One series doesn't make a season. One week doesn't make a season. So I do kind of tamp down on myself because I don't want to sit here and say two wins against the Cubs completely makes this season and just forget everything else that has happened over the course of four and a half, five months and just, you know, they got the two wins against the Cubs. They're right there. They still have something to prove. They have to play more consistent, better baseball in the month of September than they have all year. They've essentially been a 500 team throughout the vast majority of the season. And if they continue to play 500 baseball in the month of September, the season is going to end on September 29th when they wrap up the year in Denver taking on the Colorado Rockies. But it does feel like, at least for the moment, and we'll see what happens you know, we, when we're recording this podcast a week from today after they've played the next six games, two against the Astros and four against the Cubs. Uh, this this podcast could have a very, very, very different tone to it if they were to lose both games against a really good Astros team, if they were to lose three out of four against the Cubs. that's a That's a different conversation to be had and all this positivity and all this optimism – about what's going on right now, it kind of goes away. But for now, it's there, and for now, it's legit. And for now, they sit three games back of the Cubs for the second National League wild card. And we'll see how it goes from there. Do want to comment on the move, the the, the big move that was made. Jeremy Jeffress, uh, he was designated for assignment. At first, this surprised me. I think it surprised a lot of people. But when you really thought about it after the move was made, it made some sense. Uh, the Brewers were not going to bring him back for the four-plus million dollar uh, option that they had on him for next year. They were not going to spend that kind of money on him. And he's injured right now, and he's been very inconsistent. He's been somewhere between inconsistent and not good this year. Uh, at best, he's been inconsistent. At worst, he just hasn't been good. He's got an ERA above five. I said this when we talked about Yulis Chassin and him being designated. The Brewers are at a point right now where I don't think they can throw guys out there that they really have no clue what they're going to get out of them who have not played especially well this year. If you would have brought Yuli Chassin back off the injured list and started him in some games, there was a chance that he looked kind of like the guy that he was during the 2018 season, but there was a chance that he blew up early on in the game. I think it's kind of the same thing with Jeremy Jeffress. If he gets healthy and comes back and you put him in games – you know, he had that three, four game stretch just before his most recent two or three games where he looked really good. It seemed like it was all coming together. Uh, if you might get that guy, or you might get the guy who pitched the way he did in his final couple outings before going on the injured list, you just didn't know. And there's a lot of you just don't know on the roster right now. There's been a lot of inconsistencies, but it's about the guys who maybe you're most comfortable with kind of having an idea of what you're going to get out of them. And I just, I don't think you had any idea what you were going to get out of Chassin and you didn't really know what you were going to get out of Jeffress. And every game that you can possibly win is going to matter. If you lose a game that was there for the taking 
and you lose it specifically because Yolish Chassin struggled or you lose it specifically because Jeremy Jeffress struggled. That could be the difference between being a playoff team and not being a playoff team. And while that remains true in the month of May, in the month of June, in the month of July, every game matters the same, the Brewers have more information now. So now they can go about moving forward with an idea of how important each of these games really are as they try to you know, hunt down a playoff spot. So, I, so to me, that has a lot to do with it. You just couldn't trust Jeremy Jeffers. You just couldn't trust Yuli Chassin. Now, some would argue there's a lot of guys who are still on the roster you still can't trust, but there seems to be maybe just an ounce more of consistency with some of those other guys than there are with them. So with that, Jeremy Jeffers moves on. We'll see if he gets picked up this year. The initial report, I think it was from John Heyman, said that he was just, just going to sit out the rest of the year and focus on being healthy going into next year's spring training. Jefferson's agent said that's not the case, that he was going to try to pitch again this year. Obviously, Cincinnati is a place that uh, with, with Derek Johnson and, and with Lee Tunnel there, they may make a run at him because of uh, what they were able to do with him in Milwaukee. Maybe if there's not a lot of interest in him, he does sit out the rest of the year, and if the market doesn't pick up for him, the Brewers bring him back on a, on a lesser money deal or the Brewers bring him back on a, on a minor league invite to spring training deal. Uh, whatever it is, he's been a really good Brewer. He's been a really good Brewer, and he's won a lot of games for this team. The year he had last year was historically significant for a relief pitcher. Baseball's tough. And the Brewers are trying to get into the postseason right now. And Jeremy Jeffress was more valuable as an open 40-man roster spot than he was as a member of the organization. So that's why he ends up not being in the organization anymore. That 40-man roster spot that he was holding, they felt was more should be used for somebody else. They brought up a number of guys uh, there on September 1st to get things moving, including, by the way, Jimmy Nelson and Brent Suter. And as I recorded this on Sunday night, neither of those guys have pitched. Brent Suter has had nothing but success through his entire rehab appearance. Nelson has been more of a start-and-stop thing. We'll see if he looks better this time with the Brewers than last time with the Brewers. But there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting storylines and narratives to keep an eye out on as uh, the team continues to move forward. Coming up on the podcast this week, J.R. Radcliffe is going to join us in our social media conversation. So let's go ahead and get to that right now. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X-Range, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Let's bring in J.R. Radcliffe for our social media conversation. He is the trending sports reporter for the Journal Sentinel and uh, JSOnline.com. Follow him at J.R. Radcliffe. That's J.R. Radcliffe, then R-A-D-C-L-I-F-F-E. There are two Fs. I don't know if people ever spell Radcliffe with only one F, but if they do, Jr. doesn't. Hi, Jr. Hi. You know, it's never the second F that's the problem. It's the E. Most people, mm. although since Harry Potter and Daniel Radcliffe became a thing, I find that that's less the issue. It used to be the E, not the second F. Okay. Either way, you've got two Fs and an E, and we're all good with that. 
Yes. And uh, yes, I get the Harry Potter references. The jokes are not funny. I actually, I have a hard time with the Harry Potter references because I've never read a Harry Potter book and I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. I think, and it's it's certainly movie related because it's the actor who plays him. But I, growing up, got all the Dallas references I could handle. The Who Shot Jr. Okay, and that was haha funny for a while, and then that show sort of drifted out of cultural memory. And then uh, we picked up with a with a new angle here with the uh, the Wizards and the Quidditch. I'm also not into it. I've seen a couple movies, but I'm not into it at all. My wife is big into it. My kids love it, so it's fine. Whatever. Okay. I've never seen a Harry Potter. I've never seen a Lord of the Rings, and I've never seen a um, uh, HBO show that everybody loves that just ended recently. Uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> I saw every episode of Game of Thrones twice, and I definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely understand what it's like to be obsessed with a show that is about like wizards and stuff. I'm not gonna frown upon the people who are Harry Potter heads. No judgment for me, just not my thing. <laughs> I understand. How much has your view of this Brewers team changed from the moment the Friday game ended to the moment the Sunday game ended? I want to tell you that it is it has changed, but it just hasn't. I can't I can't bring myself to really view this team any differently. And and granted, September is a new a new ball game because they've got they've got more guys on the roster. They showed it on Sunday that they're more than willing to go back to the strategy that worked in 2018, where you let your starter go for a limited amount of time. In this case, three three no hit innings, but four walk innings uh, for Gio Gonzalez, and then let the bullpen do the work. They've got tons of guys out there, uh, and really, it's it's. The bullpen's been actually quite a bit better recently, but this still just to me doesn't – they don't have the guys back there that they had in 2018. Uh, Obviously, it's the front-end guys, the Corey Knabel, Jeremy Jeffress, you know, the Josh Hader triumvirate that they have. They don't have that, but they also don't have Joaquin Soria. Uh, There's a few other guys that you can kind of think are going to get the job done, but you'd worry if they had to go two innings. So I I just don't feel like – that they can repeat that magic. And even if they, let's say they go 20 and seven in September again, like they did last year, that would put them, they've won one game. They win 19 more. That'll put them at hundred. They'll be at 162 games and it'll be, uh, it'll be 89 wins. I'm not sure that's good enough. It probably is this year, uh, probably at the very least to a tiebreaker to get into that second wildcard spot, if nothing else. But that's insane to think that they could replicate what they did, and that's to get to 89 wins. So I still think there's a long road to go. I, I think that you look at those two games, and even though they shut them out, shut the Cubs out back-to-back games, it's pretty frustrating what the offense did. They they still haven't been able to break through, and they're hurt. Keston Hira being out for two weeks, Mike Moustakis gingerly working his way back. You know, Lorenzo Cain, Ryan Braun, those guys have been dealing with injuries on and off all season to, a, to some degree, but... They are not at full strength with their offense, and I don't know how much longer you know Christian Yelich hasn't hasn't been quite his incredible self. He hits the big home run on Sunday. I don't, but but like he's carried them at points throughout this season. I just don't know if that's going to work. If if it might it might work for a 500 team through the month of September. I don't know if it's going to be a 19 and 17 through what's left of the season. Okay, this is a really tough question to answer because it's a it's a total hypothetical. But everybody, kind of the the general thought process right now is if the team can split with Houston and then take three out of four from Chicago at the end of the week, then this thing is really a race. Do, do you agree with that general statement? Uh, well, 
I do. I mean, it is a, it, it, right now it's a race, but the problem isn't just, it's just not about, a, it's not a binary of the Cubs and the Brewers. Yes, if they can split with Houston, first of all, they should feel great about that. A Granky Cole one-two punch to, to win one game there is is absolutely uh, worth celebrating. And then three or four against the Cubs, you'd gain two more games. And in theory, if, if you know, you can stay equal to that point, it'd be only one game back of the Cubs. That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty nice. But I'm really worried about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're right now coming into the week a half game behind the Brewers. Their schedule is very light in the latter half of the season. And they're a good team. Their run differential is just south of what the Cubs have right now. That's a really good team that's, for whatever reason, hasn't gotten the win-loss record to work for them this year. But they definitely have talent. And and with the schedule they have, I think they can make some serious noise. They, they lost on Sunday but had won their previous six games. They're feeling it right now. They might be that team that goes on a run. You know, Philadelphia and New York are still right there with the Brewers. They have to shake both of them. I'm not worried about the Mets. Their schedule is very tough, and I still I think they're I think they're going to run out of gas. But the Phillies aren't going away, even though they have a negative run differential as well. So it's not just about catching the Cubs. They also have to hold off these other teams. So so yes, in a vacuum, splitting and taking three or four, of course, you have to consider that you know a, a, an uptick in the race. But there's still a lot of suitors out there, and I still uh, I still just question whether the Brewers can sustain the track of winning they're going to need to fend off everybody in this race for the wild card spot. If I was the Brewers on Sunday, I would have gotten in contact with the Blue Jays clubhouse attendant for the visiting clubhouse and said, whatever alcohol they want on the plane after the <laughs> Verlander no-hitter, it's on us. I completely agree. And, you know, it's there is something to be said for that, not necessarily because they're going to be partying hardy and uh, will come into Milwaukee, you know, needing a few extra hours to so the light doesn't shine as brightly. But uh, the, the Astros know where they're headed here. And there's obviously more to figure out for them. And, and they're going to want to keep winning games because it'll position them better for the playoffs. But they're going to the playoffs. They don't need to throw every available weapon at you. And I, I, I don't even remember the name of the guy who hit the two-run homer. Was it Abraham Toro, I think his Toro, name was? yeah. Who hit the two-run homer. A guy I... I I feel bad, but I just never heard of him and hits the big home run that allows Verlander to get that no hitter on Sunday. I I, I think that it's a good position to be in to face teams that pretty much have their destiny locked up to some degree. Now, who knows? I mean, we've seen situations where I mean, there was a situation several years ago where the Brewers, you know, were, were a nothing team and they beat the Astros two out of three to close the season in Houston and kept them from the playoffs. This happens all the time. You can't really factor that in, but it feels like maybe a slight advantage for the Brewers. I do think that the Brewers have some sort of advantage in September. It just feels like they're very good at playing with that expanded roster, and maybe they are they improve themselves with the expanded roster more than all most teams around baseball with the expanded roster. For whatever it is that seems to be a Craig Council specialty, playing with the bigger group of guys, that's why I have hope. And I do have a little bit of a different take on this team from the end of Friday to the end of Sunday. I feel like three games out at this point of the year is, is very doable. Uh, I do look at the other teams. You know, the difference from last year to this year is it's not just about catching the cup but it's also about holding off the, the Phillies and the Mets and the Diamondbacks, as you allude to. But I do feel like this team, and even two Septembers ago, uh, when they made a little bit of a run and, and with just craziness after the Nelson injury with what they did two years ago, and they, they missed the playoffs by just one single game, it does seem like Craig Council manages the team with the expanded roster better than other managers. Would you agree or disagree with that general statement? 
I mean, I would agree with it only because the track record la- is last year. It says so. I mean, last year is really the only example we have of them being in a hunt. Uh, well, no, 2017 was kind of similar to that regard. And they did they did jump back into the race in 2017 uh, before faltering at the very end. But yeah, I, I think they've shown that they have it. They have it kind of. They have a science behind this. They seem to know what they're doing. I guess my thought would be, I, I just. I just have not seen evidence that the core players on this team can stack wins up together. They can they can play 500 baseball. They've done it for months now. I, I don't know if they have an they they can't just play they can't just play 500 yeah. baseball. They can't even just play slightly better than 500 baseball. They got to go they got to go crazy because one of these teams is going to go is going to play you know four games better than 500 at minimum. So you have to be able to win at a pretty significant clip. I don't know if we have the data to say that they can do that. And moreover, like let's say they take a lead on Houston into the late innings on Monday or Tuesday. Who are they going to throw? Because they've thrown everybody. You know, they've thrown them multiple times in recent you know, recent games. Josh Hader, you'd think, would be unavailable on Monday. And maybe then he's back for Tuesday. I don't know. But they, they're using every bullet in the holster, and it isn't necessarily it – isn't, it doesn't mean that they're winning more convincingly. They're just scratching across wins at this point. These last two wins are – you know, it's amazing that the Cubs didn't score any runs. It's just amazing. It's just a lot of breaks went their way, the Brewers' way. So I guess I I don't see a dramatic shift. I will feel better about it if they can get through, like, the first five innings of, of the game against Houston and, and have held them down because I kind of was feeling good going into that St. Louis series, and then the, the Cardinals jumped on them so early, and it really took some air out of the balloon. So it would be nice if there's a different story going back to Miller Park this time around. And to your point, the extra arms that they have are different. You know, the, you mentioned all the guys that they use in the two games of the Cubs series. Now you go into the Astros series, and you got, you know, unknowns and, and Jimmy Nelson and Brent Suter who are back up, and you got to think they're going to avoid – high leverage situations with other of those guys. You've got a Freddie Peralta who was just called back up. I mean, the arms that they have, it's good to have extra arms down there, but sometimes it feels like the advantage of extra arms in September is not being forced to use high leverage guys in games that are out of hand in one direction or the other, not extra arms that they're able to pitch in games that are tight. I, I totally agree with that. And the high leverage guys they had last year were cannons. You know, nice that you didn't have to use Corey Knable other than in situations where you're trying to lock down wins or, or Jeremy Jeffress. So they don't have those guys this year. They don't have those, you know, those missiles that they can throw at people. So it might have to be a little bit different. I, I'd be curious to see what happens with Suter and Nelson and, and Freddie Peralta. It's possible that they do play a pretty big role in some pretty substantial leverage situations. If they can, you know, if they, and Suter's rehab outings, his numbers were incredible. And Jimmy seems to have found something in, in rehab outings. It's possible that because they're capable of going multiple innings, that they are the type of guy that you see, you know, thrown out there for the fifth and sixth and maybe a couple outs in the seventh to try to bridge the gap to some of, you know, to Hayter and maybe Matt Albers or Junior Guerra, who's throwing the ball very well right now. I mean, maybe those are, maybe those guys do get high level situations and I'd be curious to see how the Brewers use them you got to think that those two guys Suter well all three of them really Suter Peralta and Nelson are options for the 2020 rotation so uh so I'd be I mean I think it's just an interesting few months coming up for those guys including this first one to see how they're used how surprised were you by the Jeffress DFA I, I I was surprised but um, you, you know, hearing it explained makes perfect sense. If they know they're not getting him for four million next year, if they know they're not picking up that option, then he, it's possible that he's not really at full strength until another couple weeks or a week even. And you know, he hasn't been pitchable. I mean, he's been he's just been so bad. And and it's 
every every time I say that, I feel like I have to address the caveat that he was so good in 2018, mm-hmm. so beyond expectations and cheap. He didn't cost them a lot of money. He was so huge. 2018 does not happen without Jeremy Jeffress. But in 2019, I mean, it, it was unusual to see him take the hill without him putting a couple runners on base or giving up a run. We just did not see any shutdown innings from him at all. So I don't know if I, I don't know if he had any usefulness to them at the at the rest of the season. So I so I get it looking back on it. Um, you know, I think they probably if they really needed a forty man spot, they probably could have worked something out, but uh, to keep him. But I, I don't I don't think they needed to really work hard to keep him at this point, which is which is too bad because he's a popular guy has done incredible things for the Brewers. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back on some lower level contract next year. Uh, I'm w- I hope the best for him because he's obviously he was a great guy in the clubhouse and a great guy on the field. David Stearns on Sunday said that you know he came into spring training with that weak shoulder and just never really came back from that. At the time, there were rumblings that maybe he was out of shape coming into camp. Uh, the Brewers never would confirm that. His agent said that was certainly not the case. But whatever it is, maybe it was a case of the short off season. He had the the, the postseason last year where he wasn't great, and there was an the, an epileptic seizure that happened during the postseason as well, which uh, reportedly led to some of the issues that he had in the postseason. But it, man, it just seems like from the moment Game Seven of the NLCS wrapped up to to where we were at. Jeffress never really got back on that that track and that path that you wanted him on. Yeah, you, you factor in, of course, that he's going to be 32 later this month. That's you know not old to, to you and me, but it's old to in baseball terms. So it's difficult seeing a player at that age. Not necessarily that he's going to fall off a cliff, but it's difficult if they have a bad year to expect them to just like snap their fingers and be back at the level that he was at or even approaching the level he was at you know last year. So uh, I think that probably is is somewhat in in the cards for whatever reason his split finger fastball just did not work this year and maybe the new baseball is to blame for that. There's been some rumblings about that, but that's not obviously going away anytime soon. The baseballs are going to be what they are. So if that is a factor, you know, that might just be, you know, Jeremy Jeffress I don't think is effective without that pitch working for him and I don't know. Maybe it's injury. Maybe it's age. It's hard to imagine that injury isn't a big piece of this puzzle to go from that dominant to to where he is now. He was used a lot last year, uh, so so there's definitely some thought that that could be that could be part to blame. I, I I don't know. I don't know how you explain it, but you just have you know at some point you look at it and say they can't afford to throw him out there anymore. He's not capable of of getting three outs cleanly, and and you gotta. I understand why they why they have to move on. It's cruel business, but I, I guess I understand why they got to move on. Baseball is a sport where if you have a key player out, you can survive it for a short amount of time. Sometimes the person who comes in gets on a quick little hot streak, but eventually talent is what talent is. The Brewers won these final two games in Chicago with Keston here on the injured list, with Mike Moustakas not available, and with Lorenzo Cain and Ryan Braun not available to start and just available a little bit. I guess Moustakas did get an at-bat on Sunday, but the, the point remains the same. Great that they can win those two games in Chicago, but also I think it's pretty clear that they're not going to go that 19-7 and seven like you talked about if they go. They're going to be without Keston here for two weeks. There's nothing they can really do about that. But Moustakas, Kane, and Braun, those guys have got to get back in the lineup. Yeah, and honestly, I'd be surprised if Keston here comes back in two weeks' time. That's a pretty significant injury to just bounce back from. So, I, I, honestly, I... 
I, I won't say I'd be shocked if I saw him again this season, but I would be I, I would put money at even 50-50 that we don't see him again this season. Uh, Braun has been kind of a part-time player all season long and sort of will be for the rest of his career, it seems. You know, Lorenzo Cain, we, we've talked a lot about him and how his, his numbers have taken a major dip this year, probably because of some sort of injury, but he's getting up there in years two. And yeah, if, if those guys are completely unavailable the rest of the way, that's, that's, that's not a death sentence because Lord knows anything can happen in this game but it's definitely it's definitely close to that and if Moustakis can't come back I mean you know he'd been struggling a little bit at times late latter part of the season as well uh, I don't know if you're going to get the same you know homer happy third baseman with or without this you know hand or wrist injury but that obviously isn't the type of thing that lends itself to to power hitters that's that's bad news for a guy who hits for power so uh I I yeah, like I said, there's just a lot of reasons to be a doubter, and obviously that's not where I want to be. I, 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 you see three games out, and that still feels attainable, and it should on paper. But there's, there's really just no evidence that tells me this team is going to go on a six, seven game winning streak, which I think at this point is kind of necessary for them to achieve what they need to achieve to to get into the playoffs. For Hira, isn't it pretty simple? If they're still like legit in it when he's ready to come back, you put him in there. But if it's at a point where they're just it's not looking even if they're not mathematically eliminated they're essentially eliminated you you call it a season for them yeah probably but i don't know i mean if if you're hobbled and you're ba- already we and i'm sure see he's, he's a very bad second baseman defensively i'm sure he's going to get better but like that's no secret he's not a good defensive second baseman if he's hobbled what what is he going to be able to do at second base? He already struggles with his throwing arm. He's still learning the position. You know, he can he can go get a ball. He can go track a ball down. But for the most part, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to put him in the field. So he might be even even if they get him back, I could see him being just a, a very part time player, a pinch hitter. Um, and and obviously that's not what you want. And then you ask yourself, is it worth it to bring him back for just? a plate appearance a game and and maybe it is you know if it's a one game two game situation in the last week of the season then it, it is it's worth every at bat but uh but i i just wonder i i don't imagine how he could go from that injury to full strength or even like close to full strength in the field within two to two and a half weeks that seems like a reach uh but uh, but you know maybe i'm wrong maybe he's a super fast healer and he's totally fine sometime in the middle of the month and to that point if it if it's impacting him at the plate at all you know the reason you play him is because of his bat and you can i've you know people complain about his fielding and i understand why people do because there are issues there but i always tell people he's going to win you a lot more games with his bat than he's going to lose you with the glove but if that injury is impacting even his ability at the plate for whatever reason then all of a sudden it's a liability at second base without the offensive upside yeah we've seen this before when ryan braun is hurt and and still in the lineup and not swinging a good bat they've been obviously the last couple years they've got a really good strategy with him to keep him healthy and to limit uh limit his exposure when he does have anything pop up on him when his back tightens up or anything like that but we've seen it with a lot of players that try to play through any sort of injury and it it ends up hurting him in the long run i think we've seen it with lorenzo kane this season where he hasn't wanted to take extended time off and consequently he's never quite at a hundred percent so um so so I don't know. I obviously like you said they're going to they're going to let the hero plan be dictated by where this team is in a in a week or two weeks and and accelerate it or not accelerate it. I I would I would venture to guess that ultimately they decide to shut it down because I just don't I don't think in two weeks they're going to be uh you know near the top of this race but 
but uh, but you know, it's obviously with with the with any injury, but especially hamstring injuries, it's kind of impossible to say. I'll finish you off with this. It's kind of an end of season question, man. It'll probably be a little bit after the end of the season when we get you back on, and we may revisit it again at that point. But even if they get the second wild card, and to me. That's kind of the, that's the I I even think that first wild card outside of something miraculous at this point is out of reach. I think the division is out of reach. I think the first wild card for the most part is out of reach. Again, barring something just absolutely miraculous, teams falling off like no other, and the Brewers essentially not losing another game or losing very few games. So all that being said, if they if they do get into the postseason this year, in all likelihood, it'll be as the second wild card. That's going to be a little bit of underachieving this year. I think we can all agree that they have not met expectations of this year. It'll be the first year in the Craig Council, David Stearns era that they have not exceeded expectations. Even uh, even you know, that first full year of Council, they were a lot more competitive than anybody expected them to be. The next year, they were one game out of the postseason race when nobody thought they'd be anywhere near that. And then obviously, we all know what happened last year. How much... This isn't a fire council, fire Stearns question because clearly that's that's a uh, that's a that's a crazy thing. But how much pressure? Maybe this is more about Stearns even than council. How much pressure is there on the organization at that point to really bounce back from the first underachieving season in this regime? I think it's similar to what you got with the Green Bay Packers, the the whole Aaron Rodgers prime question. At some point, you're not going to have the MVP on your team anymore. You got three more years with Christian Yelich, and you know maybe they re-sign him. Who knows? But we saw with Ryan Braun that didn't. It, I personally don't call that a problem or a failure or anything. But you know. Ryan Braun started to get hurt later in his career. It didn't work out that they signed him to a long-term deal, at least not to the degree I'm sure fans hoped it would work out. So you really have to tackle it right now is there's three more years of Christian Yelich. You know, Lorenzo Cain will be here for that time period. You've got to kind of build the team around him and make sure that you've got the best possible team in, that's in, the, in those three years because you don't know what comes next after that. So, uh, so yeah, I think there will be pressure to bounce back and to – to address the pitching situation that was not really addressed much this offseason and to the chagrin of fans and and more so now. You know, I think if you look at 2019, I've said this a few times, there's no way to have predicted all of this going wrong. To predict that four of your five starters to open the year would be hurt or ineffective by this time in the season and and really Zach Davies is the fifth guy had an up and down year too. Like You can't foresee that. You can't foresee your two corner infielders just going from major producers to, to not playable or you know a couple of your younger pitchers just falling off the map or i mean your center fielder just not not being anywhere near where he was last year so much went wrong that you can't lay it all at the feet of any one person or any one process there there was just a little too much working against them this year for whatever reason but i i agree with i agree that there's there's pressure to go back and and figure it out i mean and in a way this is going to be a really tough offseason i don't know who plays third base or catcher on opening day for the brewers in 2020 first base is up in the air i don't think shortstop is solidified although orlando arcia you know just because there are other holes they might have to address it i don't know who your five starting pitchers are in opening day 2020 there's a lot of movement that could be made here and a lot of work to be done so uh so i do think and maybe they look at it as maybe 2020 isn't the year, but but then we've got a plan for 2021 being the year. I don't know what they're going to do that way, but but uh, but I do think y- you have a limited window with Christian Yelich, and you have to treat that as as an emergency in some regards. If they, even if they don't say it publicly, but if internally they decide that 2020 isn't the window, and they have a t- they take a step back next year, post game shows are not going to be as much fun to host as they normally are. <laughs> 
I disagree. I think there'll be more losses. So post game post game show should be a lot of fun, don't you think? No, uh, to listen to maybe if you enjoy hearing frustrated Matt Pauley, maybe, but uh, to host, not as much fun. Still fun, not as much. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I doubt if I were sitting here today, I doubt that they're going to treat twenty twenty like a step back season. I mean. You know, the other thing about having three years of Christian Yelich is you can you you should assume that his first of those three years will be his best year. So yeah. you kind of want to stack as soon as possible. The only thing that gives me worry or pause is that they do have just a ton of holes. And if they re-sign Moustakis, uh, you could see that happening. But, you know, he's he's an aging player now, too, who's, you know, who's having kind of a career year. I don't know if you can rely on that happening again and sort of the same being that Lorenzo Cain had a career year last year. And maybe you couldn't rely on that to keep happening. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, the, there's only so many years of having an MVP caliber player batting in the second or third spot of your lineup. And, and you kind of need to strike while that iron is hot. Well, if you're Moustakis, too, I mean, this, I know he thought he was going to get a payday two off seasons ago and it didn't happen. But. If you have a chance for a payday, this could be the last opportunity you have in your career, and I don't think you're going to get that from the Brewers. It absolutely will be his last chance, and maybe it's a situation where he doesn't want to go through it again, and he just decides he'll sign for two more years with the Brewers or something. I mean, he's got good relationships here, so it certainly wouldn't be a bad spot for him, but the two off-seasons in a row, maybe it spooks him away from trying, you know, really, you know, waiting it out again, but... But I, you know, I don't think the Brewers should be the favorites to bring him back. And just as Yasmani Grandal, I think the Brewers have almost no chance of bringing him back. So, and and maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they wow him with a multi-year deal, and maybe they put some eggs into that basket. But you really need to address the pitching. You have to figure something out with that. And to me, I think that's. You know, I think they should be looking at Garrett Cole, who's the big pitching free agent. I mean, they should really investigate if they can pull that off because they need a they need a couple guys that you can really rely on in that starting staff, and uh, that's going to be the key to sustaining the success. He is Jr. Radcliffe. Follow him on Twitter at Jr. Radcliffe. Radcliffe with two F's and an E. He is the trending sports reporter for the Journal Sentinel and JSOnline.com. So read him in both places. Jr. Always enjoy uh, getting your uh, thoughts, and uh, we'll do this. It'll either be in uh, after the season ends or if they go on some sort of a long postseason run maybe it'll be during then but either way i will talk to you again here in uh, the not so distant future yes that sounds great anytime we'll talk soon relax roxanne jr radcliffe with us here on brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile here's what's coming up this week monday and tuesday the brewers have an interleague series against the houston astros 310 first pitch by the way on monday 640 for tuesday they will take wednesday off that is going to be one of just two off days they have in the entire month of september after that they're going to go on a run of 18 straight days playing baseball. They'll start with a four-game series against the Cubs on this Thursday, that is September 5th. They will not get another off day until Monday, September 23rd. They'll four against the Cubs at home, four at the Marlins, three at the Cardinals, four home against the Padres, three at home against the Pirates before they finally get to that off day, and then they'll wrap up the season at the end of the month with uh, first a three-game series in Cincinnati starting on Tuesday the 24th, and then a three-game series in Colorado against the Rockies starting on Friday the 27th. As always, uh, you can listen to the games across the Brewers Radio Network, specifically on, on 620 WTMJ. This is notable, though, because it is Packers season. If the Brewers are playing and you tune in to WTMJ and you hear a Packers game, 
switch on over to 94.5 ESPN-FM, and that's where the Brewers game is going to be heard. And we did this early on in the season when we were having the conflicts with the Bucks playoffs. It's the uh, same thing here with Packers season. Uh, for the first time in my tenure, we are running the Brewers Extra Innings post-game show on 94.5 ESPN. So in the past, if there was a game that was moved off of WTMJ and 294.5, which at the time was a country station, we would not do the Brewers Extra Innings post-game show. That is no longer the case. We now do the post-game show. The only, the only uh, possibility that could kind of impact that is uh, 94.5, has their own Packers post-game show pack attack, and we have to work through that. Uh, we do have the 540 signal as well, 540 ESPN. So there's a lot of moving parts, but we do plan to have Brewers extra innings on the air as often as possible, if not all the time, very close to all the time. So just keep that in the back of your head. If you've ever got any questions about that, is the show going to be on or whatever, just, just get at me on Twitter, and uh, I'll let you know what's going on. I do want to say thank you to J.R. Radcliffe for joining us uh, this week on the podcast. Thank you to you for being tuned in. Big week coming up. We'll see if it is a positive show or a negative show next week. Uh, we're going to have a this time next week. We're going to have a much better idea on if the Brewers are really going to be able to make a run and get into the postseason, or if it's just going to be a season where things just don't seem to work out for them. Uh, not that we'll know for sure this time next week. Clearly we won't, but we might have a little bit of an indication one direction or another. That four-game series against the Cubs is going to be absolutely ginormous. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. It's Brewers X-Rays, the podcast powered by WTMJ. Matt. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.